Welcome to the Denton's Employment and Labor Podcast. In a series of podcasts, the Denton's Employment and Labor Group will discuss the latest employment law issues impacting the Canadian workplace and offer our guidance during these challenging times. I'm your host, Alison Walsh. I'm a partner in the Denton's Employment and Labor Group, and today I'm joined by my colleague Stephanie Lewis to discuss paid sick leave for Canadian workers. Stephanie is counsel in Denton's Litigation and Dispute Resolution Group, and her practice focuses on employment and labor law. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Thanks, Allison, and hello from Ottawa. It's great to be here to chat with you today. And as I indicated, today we're going to have a conversation about paid sick leave. As the Canadian economy reopens and employees are returning to work, in order to manage the spread of COVID-19, employers are asking their employees to stay home if they're feeling unwell. However, currently the majority of provinces do not have legislative paid sick leave. That's right. Most provinces do not have legislated paid sick leave. There are some exceptions. For example, Quebec allows a total of two paid sick days per year that can be used for either sick leave or family responsibility leave at the employee's choosing. The remainder of the provinces and territories, however, do provide employees with sick leave, but it is unpaid. For example, in Ontario and BC, employees are entitled to three days of unpaid sick leave that employees can use when they're ill while in other jurisdictions, broader leaves are provided. As you're very familiar with, Allison, in your home province of Alberta, employees can take up to five days of unpaid leave as personal and family responsibility leave. This leave is to be used for health issues or family needs. The most important factor for most employees about these leaves is that they're job protected, which means that employees can take a leave of absence if they are ill or injured and retain the right to be reinstated to their jobs when their leaves end. In other words, their jobs will be waiting for them when they're feeling better. And although these job protected leaves are important, the concern that has become highlighted during the pandemic is that many workers can't afford to stay home when they're sick, and therefore they're under increased pressure to go to work with COVID-19 symptoms. In response to this concern, during a press conference in May, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced that the federal government had entered into discussions with the provinces to give workers across Canada 10 paid sick days per year. One of the big questions that came from this announcement was who was going to pay for this program. This was answered by another announcement in July that the federal government and the provinces had reached a $19 billion safe restart agreement, which included a temporary income support program funded by the federal government that will give workers 10 days of paid sick leave related to COVID-19 if the employee does not already have access to this benefit. So this means an employee cannot claim the federal benefit and another sick leave payment at the same time. On August 20th, the federal government advised that the program will provide a $500 per week payment to claimants and that the application process for this benefit will open in October. Today, this paid sick leave benefit is a temporary program But if paid sick leave is going to have longevity beyond COVID-19, there are some challenges that need to be considered. That's right. And the challenges are not small ones. Firstly, all the provinces need to agree. Provincial consensus will be required not only to implement a national paid sick leave program, but also to continue the program beyond COVID-19. While the Government of Canada can enact federal legislation, the number of employers impacted by this legislation is limited. As you know, Allison, the Federal Act Governing Medical Leaves is the Canada Labour Code. 
The code applies to businesses that are federal undertakings, such as banks, telecommunications companies, transportation companies that cross provincial borders, and broadcasting companies. However, the majority of employers are subject to provincial employment standards legislation. Under the current temporary scheme, it doesn't appear that provincial employment standards legislation will need to be amended to deliver the program. However, this may change if provincial governments are asked to deliver the program on behalf of the federal government. In which case, this could mean changing not only the Canada Labour Code, but also the statutes or regulations in each of the 10 provinces and three territories. There's also the issue of future funding. Who is going to bear the cost of this program? Will it be the federal government, the provinces, or employers? My guess is that the cost of such leaves will likely be borne by employers, and expecting businesses in our struggling economy to handle these additional costs may be a little unrealistic. Yeah, and you've outlined a number of challenges, and part of the problem is that we have very little details of how this program is going to be administered. We also don't know if employees will have to give notice before taking a paid sick leave. I suspect, given the nature of COVID-19, if notice is required, it will be whatever is reasonable in the circumstances. There is also no details of whether employers will be entitled to require a medical note or other documentation before an employee can qualify for paid sick leave. And that's a big point, Allison. The issue of whether a medical note will be required is a big one. Currently, unpaid leaves of absence in Ontario and BC do not allow employers to require a medical note. In Alberta, as you know, the legislation doesn't require a medical note to take personal and family responsibility leave. However, employers can establish their own policies for documentation, and these policies may require a medical note. If medical notes are permitted, will obtaining them even be practical? One of the reasons that employees do not currently have to present medical notes for the various unpaid emergency leaves is that requiring such notes will be unduly burdensome on the healthcare system. Our poor doctors are already up to their eyes with work in this pandemic. To expect them to add medical notes for minor health ailments may be too much of a strain on them. And to this point, the Human Rights Commission in Alberta has actually recommended that employers should be flexible and consider not overburdening the healthcare system with the request for medical notes. The reason being, as you indicated, that these requests can put unnecessary pressure on the healthcare system, but also increase visits to medical offices, increase further risk of exposure. While we are waiting to learn more about this program, there are some practical considerations that employers should consider when managing the health of their workforce. The first is employers should consider allowing and in some instances encouraging employees to work remotely where possible. Remote working can be implemented on a temporary basis to accommodate an employee who is feeling unwell. Or alternatively, remote working arrangements can be for extended periods. The benefit of this, it allows employers to continue to limit the number of employees at their office or work site at any given day, which makes physical distancing easier. It also limits the impact on your business if there is a COVID-19 outbreak in your office, which could lead to an office closure. In which case, if your employees are already set up to work remotely, there's going to be a lot less disruption to your business. Remote working can have many advantages and offer you know, flexible solutions. However, we would recommend that employers who are considering having their employees work remotely on an extended basis implement a remote working policy that outlines the employee's obligations and responsibilities when working from home, as well as help manage 
the employer's risks associated with this type of working arrangement. Unfortunately, however, remote working, although a good option, is not an option for all employees. And for people who can't re remote work, for people who, for whom this just isn't practical, uh, employers should enact thorough return to work practices and guidelines to reduce the risk to employees who need to attend the workplace. And when we say thorough, we are not kidding. They involve considerations of the physical workspace, how contact between employees can be limited, extra cleaning for high-touch surfaces, installing physical barriers where possible, temporarily closing gathering spaces like lunchrooms, and requiring masks in public spaces like washrooms. These policies ought to reflect workplace health and safety obligations, as well as practical considerations in light of individual workplaces. As you may know, uh, our team has developed a nine-page return-to-work checklist, and this checklist is no joke. It deals with issues related to the physical workspace, issues that require dealing with landlords and building owners, personal protective equipment needs, occupational health and safety documentation, the screening of people entering the workplace to protect people in the workplace. If anyone would like a copy, we encourage you to reach out to a member of your local friendly Denton's Labor and Employment team. And if you are looking for more information on remote working and um, the practices for returning employees to work, we would also encourage you to check out our episodes one, two, three of our podcast where we dive deeper into these issues. This brings us to the end of episode five of our podcast. As of the date of this recording, Canadian paid sick leave programs have yet to be finalized. However, we will keep you updated as we learn more about this program. Stephanie, thank you for joining me today. It is always a pleasure to speak with you and hear your insight. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And I want to thank everyone for joining us today, and we encourage you to reach out to your local Denton's Employment and Labor Council with your employment questions. Denton's is a global legal practice providing client services worldwide through its member firms and affiliates. This episode is not designed to provide legal or other advice, and you should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Please see Denton's.com for legal notices. Thank you.